everyone, and welcome to this week's edition of the Media Boat Podcast. Hi. Today is July the 7th, 2021. Hope y'all in the U.S. enjoyed your long 4th of July weekend. Hope you stay sa- stayed safe. Hope you didn't blow up your hands. You need your hands to click on the podcast button to listen to this, turns out. So we want you to have your hands intact. Um, this is episode 287. Uh, if you don't know what the Media Boat Podcast is, let me tell you real quick. We are a podcast that's dedicated to media, as the name implies. We give you news and thoughts about movies, television, video games, and music, but not necessarily in that order. My name is Matt. His name is Mike. I'm Mike. He's Matt. Media Boat Podcast coming at you every week, and yes. wouldn't you know it, we're slowly, we're halfway through the year. Yeah. We're in July now, yeah. and we're also... Creeping our way up to episode 300. Yeah, about 20 episodes, 20 weeks, which will put us at the end of the year. Yeah. More or less. More or less end of the year should, sounds about right. That sounds about right. So let's start the show like we always do, which is with movies. And last week we talked about the box office numbers possibly getting a little bit of a kick in the pants thanks to the long weekend. Well, let's find out if that was the case. Well, Kind of, is the answer here. More or less, it was what we thought would happen. Your holdover number one is still F9, colon, the Fast Saga. That made another $23 million. That's a $116 million domestic for the year so far. Not bad. Number two. That was more than a 50% drop from last yeah. week's $70 million debut. Yeah. So probably under probably what a lot of projections had to that. Uh, turns out people are not 100% positive about going to movies quite yet. Makes sense. Um, or maybe they just had other things to do this weekend. Go to the beach, you know. My guess was that family. anybody who didn't already celebrate having a vaccinated uh, Memorial Day weekend had a carefree 4th of July weekend. <laughs> You're probably right. They went outside, in other words, and they did stuff with other people. Which could have involved movies, but maybe not just movies in this case. Well, whatever it was, it helped out the other movies here in this top five as well. Your number two, your debut this week, The Boss Baby, colon, Family Business, made a $16, uh, $16 million debut. Number three, The Forever Purge, that made a $12.5 million debut. A Quiet Place Part Two is your number four with another $4 million. That's sitting at 144 million, which easily places in the top movies of the year so far. Currently in the lead, but yeah. F9 is probably going to catch it sometime catch in the next two weeks. It'll catch it. Those They're fast. They can <laughs> catch up. And rounding out your top five, the Hitman's Wife's Bodyguard. Still an awful and confusing title. Uh, $3 million adding to its $31 million domestic total. So no surprises here. Uh, good another week for Fast Five, and you're right. By the time we're done um, here with that movie, I think it will easily lead the pack until something else comes out. Looking at you, Black Widow, because that moves us to new new releases for next week, and Black Widow is your big thing that everything else got out of the way of. So Black Widow. Out next weekend. This weekend. This weekend. Um, both in theaters and uh, Disney Plus Premier Access. So Premier if you want to shell out $30, yeah. you can have it at home. Yeah. And add it to your Marvel collection instantly. 
Yeah, you could do that. But I wouldn't recommend it. Whoa. <laughs> no, actually, it seems like reviews of that are fairly positive. It seems like people are mostly just excited to see a new Marvel movie after a big <laughs> draught of them. Um, and so that maybe is leading the bias a little bit. Uh, but nonetheless, it seems like it's one of the okay. It seems like it's getting okay marks. So yeah, it might be all right. We'll see. Uh, we may or may not talk about that next week. We'll see. Um, we you'll have to wait for the other. Probably movie. will talk about it next week. I cannot guarantee will. it. Well, next weekend uh, there'll be more stuff to come out. So yeah, Black Widow. Uh, either go to a theater or see it at home with the thirty dollars. That'll be your next big release. In the meantime. Let's move right on and talk about movie news. We have two stories for you this week. First up, a familiar friend comes to visit us in the news section again. None other than auteur Quentin Tarantino. But this isn't a story about him making movies. This is a story about him buying a building that plays movies. Quentin Tarantino now says he's the proud new owner of another historic movie palace in Los Angeles, the Vista Theater, located in Los Feliz on the border of East Hollywood, and plans to open it back up around Christmas time. Tarantino already owns the new Beverly, which he's operated since 2007. He said that since the theater reopened its doors this summer, they've sold out every screening. But he says the new Bev has its own vibe, unquote, while the Vista is a, quote, crown jewel. The Vista Theater is a single-screen theater that first opened back in 1923, showing vaudeville acts as well as films. For a time before it was refurbished in 1980, the Vista even showed pornographic films and is now a first-run theater showing newer films. So, uh, yeah, I'm sure that uh, Quentin Tarantino will do the same thing he's done with the new Beverly and use that for a lot of, like, Premiere events or special events, special midnight showings of things, kind of that kind of boutique theater experience you expect. Also expect him to use this theater as the last kind of thing was for premieres, for Mm -hmm. LA specific premieres, not only for his films, but for very many indie films in order to qualify for Oscar races. Seemingly his buddies, who (laughs) even though they may show their film on streaming networks, still need to get a right. film premiered, or at least runtime, in Los Angeles, in Los zip Angeles. code area, which he now owns two theaters for. Yeah. Hmm. It's a good investment, and if the man knows anything, it's movie theaters. Uh, he's obsessed with movies, um, not only because he makes them, but he's also a fan. And so, yeah. I don't blame it. I don't. I think this is overall probably a good thing uh, for him to be kind of at the helm of another one um, to um, get a lot of those cool premieres and events going. Yep. So uh, he has said recently that he wants to bring back the double feature. Okay. So right. expect two showings back to back for a four to five hour evening, maybe longer depending on the film. We will. Certainly see, but exciting nonetheless. Um, slightly less exciting is Peacock. I think oh. over the <laughs> over the year, excited for Peacock. Year and change that uh, it's been out. It's been kind of I don't know, experiencing a little bit of growing pains. It's not really sure what it wants to be. Uh, we saw the uh, wrestling uh, get added to it kind of late, and um, maybe gave it a shot of a chart in the arm for, uh, for a certain audience. 
but it wants to get in on this excitement that uh, Disney Plus and HBO Max has about premiering movies uh, from, of course, the studio that owns it, in this case, Universal. Um, they've experimented with this in the past, but it looks like they're not quite done working with some sort of window for movies of theirs to not only get theatrical releases, but also be on streaming on Peacock. Beginning next year, Universal theatrical releases will head to Peacock's as exclusives no later than four months after they premiere in cinemas. The multi-year deal will see not only Universal titles, but also films from DreamWorks, Illumination, and Focus Films as well. As part of the agreement, titles will head to Peacock for the first four months, as well as the last four months of the traditional 18-month pay-one window, the company has announced Tuesday. But if case you don't know what that means, if that's too inside baseball for you, pay-one refers to the agreements between services and studios for first rights to stream films and content after their initial theatrical release. Universal's 2022 film roster, in case you're wondering, includes Jurassic World Dominion, an untitled Jordan Peele horror film, the next Minions film, The Rise of Gru, and the next Puss in Boots film, The Last Wish. So, among others, I'm certain, but uh, yeah. It'll be interesting to kind of, kind of have a very quick turn to Peacock right after a theatrical debut. Uh, interesting. You don't see F9 on here? Or yeah. any fast movies? Well, they know how lucrative they are to get people back in theaters. Those are movies that they can guarantee will make a certain amount of money. You can't probably say the same thing as something like Jurassic World Dominion, which may have diminishing returns because it's kind of a franchise that's been you know, losing steam, I guess you could say. And especially like a movie like Puss in Boots, which, yeah, families might like to see that a familiar name come back, but how many people are still reverential to the Puss in Boots franchise or the Shrek franchise as large, like in, uh, in, a, in a bigger picture way in 2022? We don't really know for sure. These are a little riskier, so I don't blame them for kind of spreading out the, the moolah a little bit with those. Right, and especially those last two, which are family films, which if yeah. you're a family and you don't necessarily want your kids exposed to a theater setting yet, mm-hmm. then you can just do it right at home. And of course, they always have the, the, the possibility of changing their mind or moving these things around a little bit as we get deeper into 2022 and we know kind of what to expect. This has happened before. So yeah, um, still... It's probably a smart move. I mean, there, this is still all, you know, stuff coming back from all the dominoes falling from Trolls World Tour last year. Right. We're still seeing the effects of that. They know that there's a model where streaming does and digital release has a revenue stream that they didn't have before. And they're still window. trying to figure that out of how to make that money. Exactly. They're still trying to walk that balance of figuring it out for sure. Uh, also note that this came this news came on Tuesday after they already did something like this with mm-hmm. Boss Baby this weekend. Right, yes. Boss Baby's kind of like the pilot program for this, it looks like. And um, we'll see how it does in comparison. Um, yeah. Speaking of Boss Baby, you made a questionable choice to watch that this weekend? I watched it very questionably. Huh? So, yeah. How'd so, that experience go for you? Oh, 
Experienced is kind of an odd word for it. Now, for context, have you seen the original Boss Baby film? No, well, kind of. So you I went saw in, half of it. So I you know went what it's about. Se- yeah, so you went into the sequel to Boss Baby, not really clear on what was going on. Well, like I knew, like I watched half of it because, like, it was on like TV the other day because, of course, it was. Since yeah. Kind of self-promoting it. Synergy. Yes. So put it on. I was like, oh yeah, I remember this movie now. I remember why I forgot this movie again. <laughs> so I was like, okay. Like I watched a little bit. I was like, okay, yeah, that's right. Boss baby Alec Baldwin in his bossy voice, just in the baby suit. Easy family comedy. Done. But what do you do after that? And that's how we get boss baby family business. Mm-hmm. Because obviously they grow up. And babies as, do tend to do that. It's as true. babies tend to do. They tend to grow up, but then, you know, as brothers may or may not tend to do, kind of start drifting apart as you get older and kind of start leading separate lives. So one brother, boss baby, becomes big, successful boss man. (laughs) Boss toddler? No, no, like full-on grown man. Okay. While the other brother, full-on stay-at-home dad. Uh Uh-huh. And so it has this weird dichotomy of how do you define success between like business success and family success? Because one has it all monetarily, but the other brother has it all in a family value kind of way. Hold on for a second. How much of a time jump happens between this, the first movie and the second one? Because I assumed that the baby was the same baby here. You're telling me that the baby from the original movie is now an adult and these are different, this is a different baby in Boss Baby? Oh, I'm getting there. So, adult Alec Baldwin. Uh Uh-huh. Baby from original Boss Baby, right? Yes, original Boss Baby. Grown up, owned successful company. Yeah. Brother grows up. Uh-huh. Has successful family, uh, wife and two kids. Two and daughters. they were both these these characters were both infants in the first movie, correct? Yeah. So there is a time jump of at least forty years here. Thirty-ish years here, yes. Okay. <laughs> so this takes place in like twenty fifty, something like that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. But I know what you're thinking. <laughs> The title's called Boss Baby. Yeah. So how do we get Boss Baby back as a baby, right? Their baby, like one of their babies is also a Boss Baby now? Yes. Okay. The brother, um, the brother's newborn baby is herself a Boss Baby. Okay. And via hijinks slash secret baby formula... <laughs> Uh-huh. transforms both adult it. brothers back to their kid and baby forms. Wait, what? Yes. Where, okay. What? Who made this formula? Why does it exist? So, Baby Corp <laughs> made this formula specifically to baby get Corp. both adult brothers back into their baby form Why? in order to go on a secret mission. At okay. a uh, kindergarten slash 
new like charter school type of school. Okay. I that is poised to take over the world. All right. I'm officially I don't need to know anymore. I'm officially throwing my care. And out that the was window within the first ten minutes. Because I feel like in order to really understand what's going on, I would have had to see the first film. Because I didn't know there were there was spy shit happening. I did not know that there was a evil corporation. I didn't know any of this. I just assumed it was about a baby who was also a boss. And apparently that is not the case. There's way more. This that's just the tip of the iceberg. And that's just to draw you in. No, the first film's actually thing. about the battle of cuteness between babies and puppies. Is that what that movie's about? Yes. Oh. About a new breed of puppy that's overtaking cuteness and distracting parents from their cute babies okay. with cute puppies. All right. Okay. We can't. Technically, it was supposed to be this like big brainchild of how people are having fur babies instead of real babies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. We can't. We can't spend any more time talking about the plots of the Boss Babies Babies movies. Let's fast forward a little bit. And just how'd you feel about Boss Baby? What is it called? Back in business. Yeah. Sounds right. So um, how is it? Uh, how you feel about this depends on how you feel about Jeff Goldblum. Uh, okay, well, I'm pretty, I'm pretty pro Jeff Goldblum. Okay, Jeff Goldblum's in this. Okay, all right. As also a baby. Okay. All, all right. Uh, I, I guess that gives it some points in its favor, but mm-hmm. Jeff Goldblum does not make a good movie. Good movies are better with Jeff Goldblum, though. Um, Yes, but there's a lot of Jeff Goldblum in this movie. Okay. More so than I would have cared for. Wait, so on a scale from on on the um I guess the the Thor Ragnarok scale, is it more or less Jeff Goldblum than Thor Ragnarok? Uh whew. I mean he handed up even. good in that. Yeah, not even. So, I'm gonna go with more. Uh, oh, okay. Except you don't see him because it's a yeah you don't see him because it's just the voice it's just Maybe CGI, it's but like his voice in it is very much hammed up. Um, also, his baby is inexplicably addicted to sugar and sweets, but it's never brought up or no one says anything about it. It's just he's well, constantly then, sucking on a lollipop or guzzling sugar or something. And no one says anything about it. It's that was really weird. Yeah, sure. Babies do uh, that sometimes. Yeah. So, again, is it was it entertaining? Did you enjoy yourself, or was it just weird? Uh, it's, it just ended up being weird. Yeah. Especially when the uh, so it had a weird um, Back to the Future vibe in it, where because the adult dad is now the daughter's age. They both go now go to the same school, and it's like, mm-hmm. hey, right, I want to befriend you. Yeah. So it has that aspect, but then she brings him home after the uh-huh. first day. It's like, hey, here's this new kid. Yeah, who's also he, secretly my father. He's also secretly my father. Yeah. But now has to interact with my mom, aka uh-huh. his wife, right, and my grandparents, aka his parents. Weird. Without noticing that. He is that kid that they, they raised. Wouldn't they? Married. Yeah, wouldn't they immediately recognize that's my child? You would think so. 
but it pulls it off via Clark Kent. Okay. The glasses. Sure. Just because he has glasses. Apparently, new person. Babies don't. Hmm. Babies, babies don't wear glasses, though. No, he's like toddler, like five-year-old. I okay, I guess yeah. By then, maybe, but hmm, okay. Yeah, like That's I said, it's, it's pretty weird. Sounds pretty weird, even by like animated baby standards. <laughs> but not just, as weird as baby geniuses. Okay, sure. So on the baby weirdness scale, it's not as high. Um, but on the media boat podcast scale, where would you rate this thing? I'm glad I streamed it because I wouldn't have wanted to pay for it. No, no. Not worth the money, in other words. No. So um, don't I get... also don't think there's enough adult jokes in there to keep uh, adults interested. It's for the kids. It's mainly for the kids. Yeah, that's that's and like, I don't mean like adult jokes, like hee hee sex jokes. I mean like uh, yeah, right. inside adult jokes being played. Yeah, there's nothing there's nothing that higher level there. That makes yeah. sense. It's nothing okay. for the adults. This is strictly for the kids. It's for the kids. It's for the kids. So don't go and start paying for premium peacock just for this, is what you're saying. Right, unless you're already paying for premium peacock. Right, like you were. Like I was. But that's not the only movie you saw. No, it was not. So, other flip side of the baby spectrum is uh-huh. fatherhood. Okay. Being a parent. And what's more apparent than being a parent of fatherhood? That is Kevin Hart. Okay. So Ke- Kevin Hart is a father in this film? Kevin Hart is a father in this film. Okay. Uh, he's a single dad in this film. And this is Kevin Hart not being haha funny, but rather being the more serious Kevin Hart of, I can act Kevin Hart. This is oh, me acting. This, this is, is me trying. Career pivot Kevin Hart. This is, hey, it worked out for Adam Sandler, Kevin Hart. Okay, I see. Yep. Um, this also kind of coincides with Kevin Hart recently signing a extended deal with Netflix to produce, right. I think, yes. four more films over five years. Something like that, yeah. Something like that. I think it's like four films and two specials over five years. Okay. Uh, so this is coming off of that, the success of Fatherhood. So I've seen people post this online. It's been out for about a month now, I think. And it's like constantly in like the top 10 of Netflix. Like, okay. Enough <laughs> people are saying this. I personally don't like Kevin Hart. I've made my feelings on this podcast right. known about right. that. Right. So I was like, going it's whatever the opposite of, of a media vote favorite is. I don't know. We don't have a term for it, but yeah, that's Kevin Hart. Yeah. <laughs> so I kind of went in with this with very lukewarm. This is Kevin Hart trying to act. Let's sure. see if he can like get me to like him in a more serious tone. Mm-hmm. For the most part, it works. Okay, he does a good job of it. For the most part. I can take him as a serious actor. Um, I think it helps that he's taking this role personally to heart. Pun yeah. intended. See what you did there. Um, as it starts off super tragic of him losing his wife in childbirth on the day that his daughter's born. And then it follows very rote notes from there of parents and friends basically saying you can't do this you can't be a single parent you don't know what it's like like single parents staying at home that's a mom's job you as a man as a father 
can't do the same thing. Mm-hmm. And he gets this left and right from his friends, from his mom, his uh, mother-in-law. And so he's just basically out there to prove them wrong, that he loves his daughter so much that he can forego things to give her the better life that he that he'd always wanted for her. And I like that first part where it's him dealing with newborn baby and newborn father struggles. Yeah. And then it does the time skip of five years. Okay. And while I would rather like to see a montage, <laughs> although I'm not sure how well you can do that with kid in tow. Right. It does the automatic, we're going to skip after the first month or a couple months of once he gets the hang of it to now here he is five years later and he has to send his daughter to school mm-hmm. and has to deal with, okay, now it's me letting go and having my daughter explore the world and learn outside my reaches and that typical family value of letting the kid become their own person by learning to let go. Yeah. So a lot of the film in fatherhood is the very typical tropes of being a single parent and raising a child on your own. And it doesn't really deviate from that formula that much. What made me kind of pay attention to it more so than it just being a typical trope, I would have to say would be Kevin Hart's acting. I know. I know what I've said mm, before about okay. this for Kevin Hart. <laughs> but he does a really good job in this. Okay. Uh, I wouldn't say he fully turned me on to him in terms of acting, but definitely made me pay attention more than I normally would have. Showing promise is what it sounds like. He's capable of, of this, and we didn't necessarily know that he was before. He doesn't have to be the comedic relief all the time he can take on these serious roles Hmm. with some comedic flair thrown in that range who knew yeah uh so yeah uh this is definitely kevin hart's vehicle through and through Mm -hmm. um see it if you are at all interested in kevin hart or if you have any family aspirations with of your own about this (laughs) <laughs> really good really well done it's on netflix netflix yeah okay cool well there you go that's fatherhood yep. then last but not least you have one more thing on here that i don't know what this is um you don't know what this is and you probably won't know what this is and from watching it you won't need to know what this is at least for another year okay so there's every now and then a film comes along <laughs> that you should only put on once a year. For some people, that's Groundhog Day. Uh-huh. For some people, that's Valentine's Day. <laughs> For some people, I don't know who you are. It's yeah. New Year's Eve. <laughs> you know, holiday movies. Sure. Except yeah. the holiday, which yeah, the holiday is all the holidays. December. Yeah. So it's a holiday movie where it's only played. Once a year, because that's pretty much all you can handle of the film, is once a year. In comes America, colon, the motion picture. (laughs) 
Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, this is for Thanksgiving, right? Clearly. As the title says. <laughs> so, this is someone who watched Drunk History uh-huh. while drunk or <laughs> high. Okay. But then had to, but they did so in order to write a paper about America, but didn't Uh want to do any of the reading or research Uh and just wanted to, and just went off of whatever knowledge they had then for a high school paper. (laughs) And that's what you get with America. Then they made a movie out of that paper. They made a movie out of that. Okay. So wait, so is this a factual account of America? Throw facts out the window. So this is so this is basically like it sounds like if you remove the conceit, the framing device of drunk history and just do this is basically a parodic version of American history. Is that what this is? This is in very light put it terms, the Republican idealistic version of what America being founded as. Oh boy. Okay. Extra booze, extra guns, extra sex, extra mm-hmm. um, nudity. Okay. Um, veiled, loose commentary relating between past history and current history. Okay. Like Sam Adams is a, not like the founding father, Sam Adams, but rather the, the drunken frat boy yeah. who uh-huh. founded the beer, Sam right. Adams. Yeah. So, so this is kind of like if you handed like a camera or like if you made uh, had a um, a proud boy who just happened to be in a fraternity and told him to write a script about America and make it like super America loving. Okay, got it. So yes. that I mean that's implied by the proud boy part. Yes, but yes, <laughs> that sounds terrible. Why did you watch this? Um, it's cartoon. It's a wait. It's animated? and it's uh, executive. It's a cartoon, and it's executive produced by media boat favorite Lord Miller. Oh boy. Okay. Now, that brings into that brings up a question: Is this played straight, or is it very clear that the movie is being like, this is how this is? The people involved here are really stupid. It's very clear that the people involved are really stupid. Yeah. Okay. Okay. It's meant to be satire. It's meant to be satire. At one point there, there's a very clear veil about going into a bar called Vietnam. Mm, I see. Okay. And George Washington's like, we can just go in there and blow stuff up and we'll come out victorious. And someone someone else in his team, I think it's Geronimo, is like, you can't just go in there and expect to win. You'll lose. Like, they own that territory. You can't just do that. And then they go in, they get their ass kicked, and then George Washington retells the story of, yeah, we went there and we won because we're American. We won. Even though, clearly, it's not. Yeah. history mm-hmm. says otherwise. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of stuff like mm-hmm. that, tongue-in-cheek, where it's okay. like, you really know what happened, <laughs> or at least you should know what happened, but you're still playing it up as we're still, like, well, proud to be American. <laughs> Uh-huh. <laughs> like I said, this is a film that you're only going to watch once a year. 
if if that if that <laughs> and you probably need to be pretty drunk and around <laughs> friends of similar minds so to truly enjoy this what i'm gathering is from the way that you're talking about this 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 is not funny enough to be a recommend it's just kind of it 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 swings and maybe it doesn't exactly hit there's a lot of the visual gags that mm-hmm. hit um like one of them is having hamilton in the background randomly Sure. not Hamilton what you think, but rather yeah. Hamilton musical. Lin-Manuel musical sure. Hamilton. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So just it seems like, like that's that. the level this thing is operating on. Yeah. It's like, hey, this this pop culture version of this thing, yeah, we're going to reference that. Right. Yeah. Also, um, John Wilkes Booth at Ford's Theater is actual yeah. Ford Motor Company Theater. And it's John Wilkes Merchandising Booth. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's it's that kind of level of humor. Okay. <laughs> well, you can't blame uh Lord Miller for, you know, helping out uh creators who could use the extra cash, even if the thing that they're making is not exactly great. I mean, I can definitely see where they did punch it up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And add I'm, I'm not surprised by that. But for the most part, this isn't their film necessarily. It's not up this to their from the level same quality. level of uh, well, say Animation Studio actually, who did Archer. Okay, okay, got it. So if Archer is your type of comedy, it's like that. It's kind of like that, yeah. Okay. Interesting. Yeah, I had no idea this thing existed until you talked about it. And like I said, you probably won't see it again <laughs> until Fourth of July next yeah. year. It's probably going to be one of those things. Like five years in the future, you're hanging out with a group of your friends friends and then one of them is like hey did you ever see blah 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 america the the, the the movie and and you're like no and then they go it on and tell you about an entire scene from it right and they're and like that's awesome this, so you yeah. want to put it on this probably will be very big around yeah like college dorms like yes. you'll probably if you're if you're college age listening to this and just like yeah if you ask your your roommate like hey what should we watch they'll be like dude we should watch America the movie again something like that so I yeah, believe that big old America party putting on America calling the motion picture the motion picture starring sorry. Channing Tatum and uh, Andy Samberg oh Channing Tatum yep one of our favorites uh yeah that sounds bad i'm not gonna watch that um but um thank you for putting that on my radar i suppose it's there it exists olivia um, munn's in it if anyone wants more olivia munn well animated olivia munn i suppose um so on the media boat scale do you think this is something people should seek out if it seems like to be in their if niche? you didn't seek no. it out already you don't need no. to seek it out fair enough all right. Any other movies you want to talk about before we move on here? Uh, I was going to watch The Tomorrow War on Amazon. Uh-huh. But then I heard it got bad reviews and mm-hmm. I tried to put it on for other, for Dr. Like, mm-hmm. like, hey, it's got Chris Pratt in it. Does. You want to watch it? It's got Chris That's Pratt. True. She's like, no. Like, I heard it wasn't that good, so no. Yeah. I'm like, okay. Yeah. Um, side note uh, for me, um i didn't watch any uh, new movies this week but friend of the show christy got to see two classics well classics to some people uh, that she hadn't seen before we had a double feature we watched thor ragnarok the aforementioned thor Mag- ragnarok and, and fast five 
the, the better one. Yeah. So two examples of the best in their franchises, actually. <laughs> um, she had not, not uh, seen neither of them. In fact, she had never seen a entire an entire Fast and Furious movie before. So uh, I'll let you guess. Which one do you think she came out on the other side liking more? Um, more, because it had Jeff Goldblum. So yeah, she is a. Uh, before I tell you the answer, yes, there is some backstory here. She's a big Jeff Goldblum fan, big fan, mm-hmm. um, and had only and didn't think that the Fast movies would be her thing at all. So that was the context going into this. So are you still, is that your final answer? Do you still yeah, think she came on the other side answer. saying that uh, uh, Thor, was, uh, Thor was better? Yes. No. Straight up no. Really? She liked Thor. She thought it was fun, but she fell asleep the last five, for the last five minutes of it. Uh, and that was after taking a nap at that hour point. Um, mm. But she liked it. She, I mean, she enjoyed Jeff Goldblum's performance, but you know, just wasn't 100% her jam. However, she came out on the other end of Fast Five wanting to watch the rest of them. Um, side note, the other ones don't involve heists that much. She knows, she knows that. <laughs> okay. But yeah, uh, we have a Fast and Furious convert on our hands now. Okay. And I knew this would happen. I I had faith that if she just, if I sat her down in front of Fast Five, she would understand it and it would click into place. And yeah, she comes on the, she, she was just telling me, she's like, wait, no one told me these were like funny. And I'm like, yeah, it is kind of a comedy. They are very comic booky. Yeah. It's like, she's like, yeah, no, it's funny. And all the characters are like, so great. And I'm like, yeah, that's the thing. That is the hook about this movie. Yep. They are very ludicrous. Ah, I see what you <laughs> did there. Um, so yeah, going forward, it seems like the strategy will be we're going to watch uh, six, seven, eight, eventually nine, and then go back to the first three. Maybe uh, stick uh, Tokyo Drift in between, what is it, seven and eight, I believe, is when that chronologically takes place. Uh, one, two, seven. four, five, yeah. three, six. Oh, do you think it's between five and six? Oh, no, no, five, six, three, seven. No, because five and six are directly connected because of the whole thing with Michelle Rodriguez's character. Yes. Uh, but seven and, and after eight, that, yeah. yeah. I think, yeah, I think you're right. It's between six and seven, I think, is three. I think. I'd have to double check. But it's one of those. It's either between six and seven or between seven and eight. So five is in Brazil. Six is the Mexican mm-hmm. tunnels. Yeah. Or is for the tunnels. God, no, force the tunnels. Five is the heist. I think it's six. Because at the end of five, isn't there the post credit scene? That reveals that she's not, that Michelle Rodriguez isn't dead. That's, that's that one. Okay. That's, so yeah. that's the only post credits thing after five. Then, yeah, six is, no? That she's alive via Don Six is the one that ends with the... At the very end, don't they also have the scene of him calling? Maybe that is at the end of six. No, no, sorry. Six is Luke Evans, seven is... um, Yeah, six is Luke Evans as uh-huh. the bad guy right in britain and then seven is, it is the jason Statham, right so maybe it's between and s- then eight and then he dies and then eight is the so 
it must be between six and seven then it must be between six and seven right because there's a thing that happens in seven that means it can't be that's right you're right okay never mind it's between six and seven so we'll probably go six seven uh six three seven four i guess and then one and two (laughs) yeah because when you go from three to seven you can see um the jacob black age like 10 years (laughs) (laughs) yeah inexplicably anyways so yeah i just wanted to say that uh that we have a convert in our hands so uh we might see nine sooner than i thought we would if we can catch up so we'll see but that's all i did uh let's move on and talk about some television and first thing we always do in television is we talk about sports in a segment we like to call the sports corner big sports week there were sports all across all sorts of different uh, leagues and um, organizations this week but none bigger than the controversies around the olympics as you know from our coverage already uh, the tokyo olympics that have been delayed until this year are still happening but mired in constant controversy in the newest we are uh, less than 16 yeah. days away from the olympics yes almost and two just, weeks and just keeps getting more complicated and more complicated. One of the bigger stories this year, this week was about Shakari Richardson, a runner uh, who is now not allowed to run in the Olympics after she tested positive for a chemical found in marijuana. Uh, when approached about it, she said she smoked marijuana as a way of coping with her mother's recent death. Um, so there's kind of two takes on here on this story. You see a lot, a very different take, I think, from us here in the U.S. and other countries who are um, becoming more lax over time with marijuana use, and stories that are coming from the the IOC and like the worldwide um, voices about this uh, about this issue. Over here, you know, especially here in California and places where weed is now legal, it seems like it's an ancient problem. We're like, you know, we just think it's 2021. Why is this still a thing? Uh, globally, that's not exactly the case, especially in Japan, a nation that um, has traditionally um, uh, been very, very strict about drug use and will um, uh, basically pull out no stops uh, in um, jailing uh, people who are caught using any kind of drug, including marijuana. Uh, so yeah, it's a real rough story because this is an athlete who has proven herself that she can compete. And it seems like a very, very minor thing is prohibiting her um, from competing. Um, yeah, it was high THC levels during the Olympic trials. Right. At which point the IOC gave her a 30-day ban, which, when the trials happened, unfortunately, runs over the first half of the Olympic Games. Yeah. Now, she would yeah. still have been able to compete in the 100-meter relay races, the four by four hundred, four by one hundred relay races, but she decided to pull out if she wasn't going to run the one hundreds first. Makes makes sense if they're not going to have you for some of it. It seems silly to be like be there, so I don't blame her. Um, this kind of goes hand in hand. You don't have this here, but it goes hand in hand with some of the other controversies that have happened within the last few weeks in other countries about um, athletes who are not passing testosterone level tests to qualify as women um and and that's also extremely disappointing uh from the ioc to make a call like that 
and so yeah, don't be surprised if you see the call for boycotting uh, the Summer Olympics uh, become stronger over the coming weeks. Because um, yeah, it's it's just been controversy after controversy. Of course, the biggest controversy of all, of course, is whether these should be taking place or not, especially when the uh, variants uh, of the the of COVID are spreading very quickly. It's just a mess. This whole thing has been a mess since day one, and it'll continue being a mess until they're over. Yep. While when she did smoke marijuana, it was legal in the state she was in. Mm-hmm. It's still technically illegal on a right. federal level in the U.S. Yes. And in the world, 80% of the world under the IOC still regulates it as an illegal drug. Yeah. Whether you want to argue its actual benefits or side effects of an athlete using it, it's still under the IOC's discretion. Right. Now, you can argue those rules being outdated and archaic all you want. You're not the one changing the rules. It's yeah, ultimately, IOC. it's yeah, it's not something the U.S. has any power over. Um, right. So. Yeah, that's a lot of people kind of confuse that. It's not... Yeah. IOC. It's not the USA saying she can't run. It's the it's, IOC. Yeah, it's the Olympic Committee. Eh, um, sucks. It really does. But, you know, it, just the Olympics as a whole, uh, I think this is going to prove to a lot of people that the entire uh, system that this thing is uh, set up is just, there's a lot of issues. There's a lot of issues and complicated issues that are not going to get solved anytime soon. And there are other um, controversies within the U.S. going on as well. Yes. Uh, one of them being the shot put thrower. She's either shot put or disc. She's a thrower who turned her back at the trials during the uh, ceremony. Mm-hmm. Even though she got third and qualified, people are calling for her to be sent off the team because she turned her back mm-hmm. during the Olympic, uh, not the Olympic, during the uh, national anthem, national anthem uh, during the medal ceremony. Mm-hmm. And then there is a transgender athlete competing uh, in the women's weightlifting division as well. And people are calling for her to be removed as well. And these are all being brought up because Shikari is not, can't run because of the IOC, mm-hmm. even though these other athletes are for non-controversial reasons, but people keep bringing it up because women's sports and just lumping them all together. Yeah, it's frustrating, and like I said, it will continue be frustrating to be frustrating as long as you know we're still in the road to, and probably even during the Olympics themselves. So yeah, it's um, as someone who likes to watch the Olympics, it makes me very torn about it because these are very serious and awful issues that are very important, and it's making it very very hard to enjoy fun games. <laughs> So we'll see uh, what happens on the other side of it. But uh, yeah, like you said, coming up very, very soon here. But in Um, other sports, there are other sports happening that are not on a worldwide scale. Uh, One of them in tennis is Wimbledon, but a 18-year-old British tennis rising star, who you may have heard of, Emma Raducanu. Did I get that one? Yep. Hey, has retired from Wimbledon due to medical reasons, heavy breathing, and dizziness. Uh, do you know exactly uh, whether we know what set this off? No, we uh, currently it's not being reported as COVID related. 
that during her fourth set of the quarterfinal match, she experienced heavy, like, difficulty breathing. And so she just called it off and Mm -hmm. said that she forfeited the match. But there's such an outpouring support for her, not only for her health, but also just for her mental health as well, saying that she made the right call. Mm -hmm. The officials and medical personnel were also saying, telling her that she shouldn't compete any further. So when she withdrew, Mm. even though she wasn't winning she's 18 at yeah. at Wimbledon and uh, being from Britain like one of like home court stars there yeah so disappointing I'm sure yeah. for a lot of people at home in, in England and a lot of people worldwide who were excited to watch a rise up and comer um, yeah it's disappointing yeah. but on that note Wimbledon still continuing will continue into the weekend with finals matches okay then uh this past weekend though if you're watching golf uh one of the more interesting things stories that we like talking about here in in the golf world in the sports corner is the thing known as the match and this year's the match four took place with aaron Rodgers and bryson dechambeau beating michelson and brady in uh did you say michelson michelson sorry mickelson i read it too quickly um Mickelson uh, and Brady uh so uh did you watch this I assumed you did yes I did <laughs> the trash talking was hilarious I bet they even got Gronk on the phone during uh one part of it oh that's <laughs> fine um so yeah the match is always fun um uh, they're trying to take polls of who would you like to see in the next the match <laughs> yes too not and Tom Brady can I just add, have that as my vote no do you no, know what the number Tom one Brady? answer was what? Michael Jordan. Okay. Yeah. With all his trash talking on a golf course. I was going to say, yeah, and then he could just bet, bet too much money on it, and then he would be <laughs> broke after on the other end of it. Yep. Um, uh, second place was Mike Trout after that okay. um, right. That hit from Top Golf went viral. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes. No, I, I, I'd watch that. I'd watch Mike Trout do that, do, yeah. do, play some golf. Not against Tom Brady, though. <laughs> no, uh, we'll leave Tom Brady. No, about that. Uh, that was also uh, one that was training Patrick Mahomes versus Tom Brady uh, ah, on a golf the, course. The rematch. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, meanwhile in basketball, the finals are here, and currently the Suns lead the Bucks one to zero in that series. So, yep, we'll see how that um, goes. Go Chris Paul versus Giannis. <laughs> Yeah, pick your pick your uh, pick your winner there. Pick your winner there. <laughs> um, I think uh, it'll be the first time either of them wins. If I remember it correctly. Yeah. Yes, or, I believe that is correct. Either first time or the Bucks haven't won since like the seventies. Right, or it's been a long time. Yeah. Speaking of the finals, we also have the Stanley Cup finals in hockey in the NHL. The Tampa Bay Lightning currently lead the Canadians three to one. So we'll see that series wrap up fairly soon here that series almost wrapped up uh <laughs> last night uh actually no on uh monday night however mm-hmm. i'm, I'm just put like theory hat on here okay <laughs> theory tinfoil hat here it was announced that fans and family from tampa bay could not travel to canada to see the mm. team play so if they were to win, it would have been against none of their home fans or family even. 
So tinfoil hat here says <laughs> they lost one of those games that that last game on purpose because mm-hmm. the next game's back at home for them to win in front of their home crowd. Perhaps I Perhaps. don't I don't buy it, but maybe I buy it because it went into overtime. <laughs> It happens sometimes by its own self. You know, yeah, you sometimes know. it happens by your own self. Anyway, so while we have uh, hockey and basketball wrapping up their seasons, meanwhile, we have baseball coming to the middle. And of course, that means that it's all-star game time. Yep, We've been time kind for of an all-star tracking... break. Yes, the all-star break is next Monday uh, with the all with home starting with the home run derby. And then Tuesday will be the game itself. Um, but one of our media boat favorites uh, finally got uh, the news that he was hoping for, I'm sure, and the world was hoping for. Media boat favorite Shohei Otani has been selected as both an all-star pitcher and a all-star DH and will compete in the H- in the home run derby all in the, the, within two days. So, whew, he's going to get a workout. The busiest man in that weekend. But honestly, it's going to be fun. I mean, I, I'm, I'm very excited to see him in both. Um, he kind of had a minor, um, not so great start last week, but he made up for it with a great start yesterday. So uh, he's got his pitching skills back up and prepared, and he's yep. he hasn't stopped hitting great. So it's just he also yes. had a birthday on Monday. Yes, he is also newly minted twenty seven year old. So uh, yeah, he's gonna look for look forward to seeing Otani just wipe the floor with everybody coming up soon. So I have another exciting. home run today too. He did. He did hit another so home run today. That's number 32. Yes. I believe he's still at the top the of the league. Break. Right. It's ridiculous. Um, one of the and fun facts. Yeah. And so consider this. Not only did he pitch yesterday, he pitched a night game yesterday. Today was a day game and he still hit a home run. <laughs> um, and he hit a new record today. Uh, this record being, because he's constantly hitting new records, this uh, this record is that he now has more home runs in a single season than any other Jap- Japan-born player in the in Major League Baseball. He passed uh, Matsui? Yes. Or Ichiro? Uh, they said who it was. Uh, but all of them is the answer. Yes. Um, so, but yes. Uh, so that now he is the, uh, and it's only halfway through the season. <laughs> Yep. All right. So just Hall of Famer for the first half, Hall of Famer for the second half. Just, yeah, individual. You could submit those as separate players and it would still be, still be impressive. Um, Yeah, just unbelievable. So yeah, can't wait to watch him in the games next week. But of course, all of this means that we will have a break from sports for, um, for a brief moment, which means it's your favorite time of year. Uh, Get your tissues ready. (laughs) Manly Man Tears are here. Yes. yes, the Manly Man Tears Awards, aka the ESPYS. Yes, the ESPYS. Uh, uh, unfortunately, or maybe fortunately, they will not be held the day after on Wednesday. Uh, Instead, they'll be actually be held on Sunday. Uh, Sunday. Sorry, Saturday the tenth. Okay, Saturday the tenth. Yeah, this Saturday the tenth. So, so prior to the All Star Game. Prior, right? Yeah, typically it's after, mm-hmm. but. Since still COVID and people traveling, or rather shouldn't be traveling with athletes, um, they're having it on Saturday instead. Got it. So you can still currently vote up until Saturday day for your favorites on ESPN for ESPY Awards. Go do it. But Manly Man Tears are coming. 
And then lastly in sports, I believe this is uh, CWS is the College World Series. Is that correct? Yes. Uh, your College World Series happened. Mississippi, Mississippi State beat the reigning champ Vanderbilt for the title. Yep. So uh, follow because I said I'd have it for you last week, and here it is. <laughs> there it is. So there you go. Anything else in the world of sports before we move on? Oh, I'm sure there is, but not enough time for us to cover it. Yeah, we've already been dragging our feet in these two first segments. So let's continue on with movie news, or sorry, not movie news, television news proper here. And our first story takes us to Apple TV Plus, one of the um, many, many, many streaming services all vying for your attention. Well, one of the smart things that Apple did in a bid to jumpstart Apple TV Plus after it launched and boost, of course, sales of their devices, which is their main source of income, uh, they offered one year free to buyers of new iPhones, iPads, and Apple TV set-tops and Macs. Uh, I've actually uh, benefited from this multiple times, uh, having bought a, a handful of Apple devices within the same time frame. So my subscription just kind of kept pushing along for a very it long time. Adds it on top. And then the company kept extending that free streaming offer uh, several times, uh, thanks to the, the COVID pandemic. But as of this month, it expects Apple TV Plus users to start paying up. The tech giant in recent weeks has been sending email notifications to customers whose free access promos have finally expired to tell them that they'll start getting billed in July, starting July 1st. However, new buyers of products starting July 1st, like the iPhone or the Apple 4K, 4, the Apple TV 4K, will qualify now for three free months of Apple TV Plus as opposed to the full year like before. Overall, at the end of March 2021, Apple said it had 660 million total subscribers across its family of paid devices, which includes Apple Music, iCloud, Apple TV+, Apple Arcade, and Apple News+. Plus. Not to mention, of course, people who are subscribed to the OnePass variant, which gives you basically a, a one uh, price for all of those services or most of those services in kind of one go, which is what I'm doing now. Um, so yeah, um, as for the actual quality of the service, I think that's been going up and down. It is the home to uh, media boat favorite Ted Lasso, which was our favorite show uh, on television last year. Uh, season two is later this yep. month. And it has the occasional other thing that we've enjoyed here, like Mystic Quest, which I know you watched, um, and others <laughs> I can't think of right now. Uh, but yeah, so it's not necessarily the strongest on offer, but Apple has done a pretty good job of uh, giving it to enough of their users that it's uh, proliferated in a way that I think that is bigger than they probably expected. It is. It does have Emmy Award winning program on it. It does. From Ted Lasso, but also from The Morning Show. Yeah. So critically acclaimed, but it hasn't quite met that... Um, that must-have... Mass appeal, yet. yeah. That that must-have killer app kind of thing. Uh, or maybe Ted Lasso Season 2 is the moment for that. We'll see. We'll see. Could happen. And our second story in television is a little sillier. Uh, you may have been aware, uh, not from necessarily here on the Media Boat Podcast, just from fun facts about recent television around the internet, there was a diarrhea outbreak that shut down a television show. Um, it's fun to imagine that, huh? Yeah, that's fun. <laughs> well, the show was called Ultimate Slip and Slide. It was NBC's new competition series that was going to premiere soon. 
Well, the network and Universal Television have yet have yet to figure out how to reshape the eighteen million dollar uh, com- com- competition show without the final episodes, because Ultimate Slip and Slide was shut down on June second after seven weeks of shooting, with another five days to go on the shoot, including the crucial final competition that had promised a huge cash prize winner, all due to sixty five percent of the show staff being infected by a G- Giardia Giardia. Giardia outbreak. It's outbreak. Poops. Diarrhea. They were pooping. Um, That caused multiple cases of, quote, awful explosive diarrhea. Tests on the location slide, pool, water truck, and the restroom sinks all came back negative, but additional testing has revealed Giardia in the dirt around the set's 65 foot yellow slip and slide. The competition was originally set to premiere Sunday, August 8th, following the Tokyo Summer Olympics, but uh, remains. A giant question mark for NBC schedule. So now they need something else to plug in there. What's um, maybe animal doctor can make every occurrence. Yeah. <laughs> doctor. What about um? Uh, what's uh, holy moly? Uh, what's uh? That's ABC. Yeah, that's ABC. Okay, never mind. <laughs> you could just rip that off, I guess. I don't know. Uh, um, yeah. So whatever yeah. NBC. Uh, don't tell us to be like Ellen's Game of Games or something. Something cheap and easy to replace it with. I'm sure they got something in the tank. Speaking or, of things in the tank. move something up. But yeah. yeah. NBC's got a huge uh, programming hole there. They that sure. they got to fill. And thankfully, poop is not coming out of it. Let's move on. <laughs> uh, you watched a couple things. Uh, which one do you want to talk about first in television? Uh, let's talk about the one that came out today. Okay. Via Disney Plus. So I always do the opposite one that I copy and paste. Okay. Yeah, like, <laughs> well, because I actually want to talk about that one next and go okay. in depth with it. All right. So Disney Plus switched up its model and is no longer having new shows premiere Friday. Right. It's said premiering Wednesday, to which is the day we podcast. It just happens just so happens to be the day we podcast. Just so like happens. we kind of planned it as it should be. So, new show came out, Monsters at Work. Yeah. Follows the events immediately after the 2001 film, Monsters, Inc. That sounds right. 01 sounds right for that. Yeah. So, literally 20 years later, they're picking up 20 seconds after (laughs) the the movie ends. Yeah. Uh, So, to refresh your memory, at the end of Monsters... Inc. They're no longer a scare company, but rather a laugh company. Right. If you've been to any Disneyland park, they now have uh, Monsters Laugh Floor, the Laugh Factory. I think it's the, the Laugh Laugh Floor now, where they do yeah. jokes and comedy and stuff. Yeah. Well, before it got to that kind of level, there's a whole story of the buildup to that success. And that's what Monsters at Work is. The immediate shift from scaring to laughter and how the company was able to make that switch. Okay. From from their formula of scaring to laughter. Yeah. So you think it'd be a lot of funny, a lot of jokes, a lot of stuff that you're pointing at like, that's funny. That's going to get me to laugh. You got my laugh there. Not so much. <laughs> it's a workplace comedy. Uh-huh. And so it's 
I mean, it's only two episodes. First two episodes premiered today. So it's more or less a more work than comedy or more mm-hmm. workplace than comedy. So more mundane than you're expecting. Right. As our hero, Tyler Tuskman, um, who is graduates from Monsters University and immediately accepted into Monsters, Inc. to become a scarer. Although on his first day, is also the first day that they changed from <laughs> scaring to <laughs> laughing. So it's an immediate fish-out-of-water scenario. I have no idea what to do. In addition to being a literal fish-out-of-water of I'm in a new setting, mm-hmm. I don't know anybody here, first day at work. So easy entrance of I'm new at this company, but then also, sidebar, this company is new in itself of what it wants to do. Immediate clash. So immediate drama, immediate stakes. Mm-hmm. Um, a couple questions. Answer. First question is, um, do the characters from the movies, uh, the main characters, ever make cameo appearances here? Yes, especially in the first two. Uh, your three main cameos are Billy Crystal, John Goodman, and then uh, Cecilia, the receptionist. Yeah. Monster. Googly, okay. Googly Bear. Okay. Or no, Googly Bear was Mike and not... <laughs> whatever it's been 20 whatever years. <laughs> it was uh, but yeah no the reason why i ask is because i think parts so much of the charm of those movies is those characters and those characters dynamic mm-hmm. that when you lose that and focus on new characters i could see that maybe that would make it a little bit like okay this doesn't feel the same so the first two episodes kind of bled to that where it's half the old cast and half the new yeah. cast but by the end of the second episode, you're realizing that they're gonna blend more to the new cast, right? Right, and more on that than slowly relying on the three characters that you know, like a last season of Scrubs. Yeah, <laughs> sure. Yeah, <laughs> it's weird that that's the one you choose. <laughs> um, instead of like the infinite Grey's Anatomy seasons, there are sure. Yeah. Um, my other question, um, so when you said it was kind of a workplace comedy, that immediately reminded me of the last time that Disney tried one of their franchises in a workplace comedy setting, which was the short-lived Muppet sitcom on ABC. Does this, uh, have, is this more successful than that? Um, hard to tell because that one only (laughs) lasted for one season and dealt with writer's room comedy. Yeah. Whereas... Monsters at Work is more of physical comedy. Um, their act, their maintenance. So the department they work for is called MIFT, which is Monsters Incorporated Facility Team. And they basically repair everything or fat facility technicians or something. Mm-hmm. But they're, they're basically the Engineers, the janitors, the cleanup crew, the maintenance team. They they fix everything that's broken. And so technically, one could say that they know the ins and outs of the company almost as good as the, you know, the CEO of the company, which, according to Monsters, Inc. lore, mm-hmm. which we all know because we all pay attention, 
had both Mike and Sully start in the mailroom and work their way up to CEO. Right. So it does set up that kind of similar path of working your way from the bottom up. I can see that happening within the series. Remains to be seen. Um, also, it's very quick. Like, almost too quick. I think they're both okay. episodes are like 22 minutes. Uh-huh. So originally supposed to felt like a half hour show for network, but then got moved to Disney+. Plus. That's usually what that 22 minute signifies. Um, well, hmm, okay. Well, I mean, how is it as Pixar's first foray into an episodic television show? Do you think that this is setting a foundation that could work maybe better with other of their um, slate of franchises? I mean, it's an easy setup because workplace comedy. Mm-hmm. So you already have all your assets right there. You don't have to create anything new per se. Yeah. So it's. But for example, do you think this, they chose this one because it was easier to pull off than, say, uh, an episodic show about Merida from Brave? Yeah, I would say it's a lot easier to do because you can easily have the ensemble cast of different and unique monsters as well as in a familiar setting. And it's, like I said, it's a transition period mm-hmm. to where it's easy drama easy setup right okay it works on some levels but like i said it's only two episodes interesting so, which direction they decide to take it in yeah so we, this is a we'll report back when this is over to kind of really take a gauge of whether it was a success or not yes but more favorable on it than i was on the last thing i talked about on disney plus <laughs> yes well, that's good <laughs> not culty uh, uh definitely works in its favor yes all right that's not the only thing you watched though no it's not and this and... is a show i'm actually excited to talk about too <laughs> okay so amc has a new show technically it's two shows in one but it's really one show Okay. So, so the show is called Kevin Can F Himself because unlike us and getting explicit tag, you can't really say fuck on TV. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Some censoring going on there, unless you're HBO. Right. So Kevin Can F Himself on AMC. It starts off and portrays itself as a typical American comedy. And by that, I mean, think King of Queens, according to Jim, Family Guy, um, American Family Comedy, Roseanne even, uh, where heavy set father, male figure, paired with stupidly hot wife and they have family relationship problems that any typical family has set in I want to say Boston yeah yeah obviously they're in Boston yeah they're in Boston so thick Boston accents you can barely tell what they say 
The neighbors are their best friends and they come over all the time. It's set up in a very multi-cam uh, set up in the living room where you got your single cam, multi-cam, laugh track audience going on in the background. Typical, oh, you should put your underwear away or I'll put it where you won't find it kind of dialogue. And it plays itself like that for the first 10 minutes. And it's like, okay, is this just really just another like sitcom? But then it does the AMC thing where it takes what you think you know and kind of does a switch on it. And the switch hmm. happens when it's just the wife by herself. Okay. Nope. Like no one else in the room with her. This is her away from the, like she walks to the kitchen to like get another beer. But in doing so, it immediately switches genres. It immediately switches aesthetics. Instead of the light, the, the bright lights of a typical family sitcom that you'd think of, it turns into the muted colors of a dark drama. Think um, Breaking Bad in the kitchen. And it's a, and it ditches the multicam into a single cam and extreme close-ups of her getting the beer, thinking about it, being annoyed, not the perky <laughs> wife that that happy wife that you would see in the like on TV aspect, but rather in her own thoughts, in her own mind of this isn't uh-huh. really what I want to do, but I'm trying to play the perfect housewife role. And that's the switch that hooks me. Okay, yeah. This my immediate thought is, so it's kind of WandaVision without the Marvel stuff. A little bit, yeah. A little bit. Okay. But except there's no like big mystery. Mm-hmm, right. It, there's nothing it's to kind of these solved. two different just... takes on the family tropes. Uh, uh-huh. that we see on television from it being a sitcom to it being a family drama and mashing them together in a oddly weirdly good pairing. Yeah. Yeah. No, this sounds fascinating. It's super fascinating and uh, literally waited a week to talk about it with you because <laughs> I'm not sure like exactly who it's for. <laughs> Us apparently, yeah. It's one of those things where it's like it's weirdly made for me, but at the same time, <laughs> I want to show something like this to other people. Right? Yeah. It's like, yeah, that's such an interesting concept because in the same way that WandaVision is like playing with like the concept of here's something that's familiar and comfortable, but what if there was something else? What if there's like some another side to this? But it was doing it with the Marvel conceit. And had a bunch of bullshit that I didn't really care about kind of back-ended on it. This sounds interesting because it's like, yeah, but what if the camera just kept rolling? Like, what if we didn't go to commercial and then just stayed there with one character isolated? What would that character actually feel? That's Mm -hmm. a really interesting pitch. Uh, It does this in a really interesting way in the first episode where typical uh, setting is I'm inviting the boss over for dinner because he heard I was having a party. But I don't want him to see how I actually am at the party. I want him at the nice family party that we have because we're a nice family, not the beer chugging, cup flip playing, beer pong playing 
person I really am. Right. I want him to see the like wholesome family that he thinks I am. Right. But the boss is coming over. So I need you, housewife, to entertain him as a dutifully housewife while I get shammered in the back. <laughs> so sh- it yeah. so it does this like initial setup of traditional sitcom where oh here comes the boss hi boss nice to meet you oh there's an emergency in the back i gotta go bye and leaving the wife and the boss in the living room and then as soon as he leaves kevin leaves as soon as that door closed you get an immediate cut out of the sitcom into the drama aspect of here's this strange man who i've never met (laughs) in my living room that I have to tiptoe around and entertain because I know what's going on in the back, but I need to keep him here via small talk and not set in a typical sitcom, everything's brightly lit, but rather a Mm -hmm. dim drama of I'm slowly interrogating him kind of way. I'm trying to make small talk. The idea of taking these sitcom tropes and kind of dissecting them in that way is, yeah, right. this is really because cool. the sitcom is here's how it plays out in your fantasy TV life, right? But then it will immediately hard cut to here's actual drama, real life of how this will actually this actually plays out. Okay, okay. well, I'm sold. <laughs> I'm definitely uh, going to check sold. this out. Um, so the sitcom um, stuff. Of like bright lit only happens when Kevin's around, which is kind of why okay. it's called Kevin can uh, f himself. Right. Yeah. Because <laughs> that's what she's really thinking. Right. Uh-huh. So it's all sitcom when he's around, but as soon as he's out of the picture, it immediately cuts to the very drama dark side of it that AMC is mm-hmm. known for. Yeah. Okay. All right. uh, if you want to watch the first two episodes, they are available on YouTube via AMC's channel. Mm-hmm. I think I also watch those. I think I also have AMC on um, on my cable subscription, so might as well use it. Yep. Since I'm paying eighty dollars uh, eighty dollars a month to just watch baseball on it, and maybe I should watch something else on it. <laughs> yeah, uh, watch Kevin can f himself. Yeah. Okay, I'll check it out, and um, yeah, we'll probably follow back up on that when the season is over. Um, we might even follow up at the end of the year. I'm just throwing that out there for this. Hey, we'll yeah. see. We'll see what happens. <laughs> Crazier things have happened. Yep. All right. Any other television that you want to talk about, or can we move on to the second half of the show almost? Uh, there's a special on Disney Plus with a Marvel and Simpsons crossover. If yeah. you're interested in it, it says it runs six minutes. It doesn't. It <laughs> runs about three and a half minutes. <laughs> yeah, they did something similar um, with, um... with uh, Maggie and Star Wars. Star Wars, yeah, last month. So yep. not super surprising that they Two did this ago, as well. The fourth for May. Right, 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 May. I will probably not watch that. Because <laughs> yep. no thanks. Uh, but yeah, um, cool. All right, let's move on then into cancellations and renewals. All right, what am I no longer watching? Well, you're no longer watching Lovecraft Country on HBO as it's getting the axe after just one season. Um, that's not super surprising considering it was probably a very expensive show and two, it had kind of mixed reactions. Um, so I don't blame HBO for maybe not wanting to take the risk on a second season of that. Um, but yeah. 
Uh, real Epics. quickly, I did finish yes. Too Hot to Handle, but okay. my thoughts stay the same from last week. I mean, I figured that they weren't going to change. Much. No, they're not going to change. Fair enough. Um, I, I did finish Queen's Gambit too, but that's an old show. That's yeah, we don't need to. And yeah, it's chess drama. Chess. If you like chess, chess. watch Queen's Gambit. If you like strong female characters, watch Queen's Gambit. Otherwise, but, yeah. I didn't really see the hype around it. No, not so much. Okay. Anyway. Epic says renewed World War of the Worlds for a third season. Netflix has canceled Bonding after a second season. Country Comfort has been canceled after one season on Netflix. The Crew also canceled after one, sec- one season on Netflix. Mr. Iglesias canceled after two seasons on Netflix. So Netflix just cutting the chaff chop, this week. Chop. Just, yeah, big, big chopping. Let's go into a handful of deaths real quick. Uh, some real rough ones this week. First up, Felice Sampler, age 67, voice actress. Played characters in the Digimon and Legend of Korra cartoons. Also an actor in Days of Our Lives. So uh, Yeah, yeah uh, she was the voice of Mimi in Digimon. We also have Terry Donahue, age 77, a Hall of Fame college coach from UCLA, an executive on the San Francisco 49ers. So, um, so a, famous, famous name in college football. Yeah, football and, lifer there. Yep. And we also have uh, Richard Donner, age 91. That name sounds familiar. He directed a lot of extremely popular and famous movies from the late 70s and 80s including the first uh, Superman film, as well as The Lethal Weapon and The Goonies, among others. Um, yeah, just a director with a lot of range and talent and, yeah, impacted a generation of uh, people. So, yeah, uh, will be missed, but age 91, so he, he got pretty up there. But, uh, yeah, definitely made an impact on a lot of people's childhood. Also, I can hear you right now over the uh, speaker. <laughs> Didn't Steven Spielberg direct the Goonies? I thought that was Steven Spielberg's ah, Goonies. No. It's a producer so, on that. S- same yeah. way that it's not Tim Burton, it's Tim Burton's Nightmare Before Christmas. <laughs> right. He didn't direct it. He didn't direct it. Same thing. Same thing. Then lastly, Robert Downey, senior, uh, age 85, uh, actor to live and die in LA, director of the Academy, Putney Swope. But I feel like most people now know him as the father of Robert Downey Jr. Uh, but yeah, age 85 was an actor in his own right back in the day. Uh, but yeah. Yep. Where there's a junior, there's got to be a senior. Most of the time. There he goes. Not always. Yes. Fisher Gardner, Gardner Minshew, <laughs> the second. In which case, you just start with the second. <laughs> you, just, you just go for it. All right. Let's move on to music, and I hand this over to you. And we'll always start music with the Billboard, and we start the Billboard with the Hot 100. Ooh, it's hot. That All actually right. is very hot today. Control-C, Control-V, <laughs> copy-paste the Hot 100, because Not number quite. one is Butter by BTS. Number two, Good For You by Olivia Rodrigo. <laughs> number three, Kiss Me More by Doja Cat featuring SZA. And number four, Levitating by Dua Lipa featuring the baby. 
but what's this? Yes. Sneaking its way on here into the number five slot? It's something new. Bad Habits by Ed Sheeran. Yeah. That song's not good. I'll say it right now. It's Is not it a bad? good song. Bad, bad it's habits. Bad. It's a bad song. Okay. Um, but yeah, it's your number five this week. All right. Uh, well, let's get it to our album chart, Billboard 200. Yep. And it happened. It finally yes, happened. It finally happened. I no longer have to call out the double album. It finally <laughs> happened. It got knocked out of the top five. We don't need to talk about it, even though we kind of are doing that right now. No, I don't need to mention his name. Yeah. Good because uh, we are number one album this week is Call Me If You Get Lost by Tyler, the creator. <laughs> we talked about this album last week. Yes. Turns out people yeah. liked it. Also, album we talked about last week, Planet Her by Doja Cat, at, which is number two. Uh, figured those two would be battling out for the top two spots, and Tyler, right. comma, the creator, one out. At number three, we have Sour by Olivia Rodrigo. At four, The Voices, The Voice of the Heroes by <laughs> Lil Baby and Lil Dirk. <laughs> and rounding out your top five, Hall of Fame by Polo G. Yep. If you didn't like any of those albums, we have new releases. We do. And we start with Mytha Poetics by Half Wife. That's W-A-I-F for wife. Half Wife, I believe. It's wife, like waifu. <laughs> no. Yes. <laughs> we also have Life of Mammals by Museum of Love. Mirror 2 by The Goon Sacks. And Exit Wounds by The Wallflowers. Yes, those wallflowers? Yeah. I feel like I've heard that name before. They're Not around. referring to the book. No. Or the perks they, of they, that they, book. Yeah, they have no perks. <laughs> All right. All right. Uh, let's get into music news. And speaking of no perks, Britney <laughs> update. What a week for Britney Spears. Um, okay, so last week we had music bits and tried to throw in some recently developing news about yes. Britney Spears. Here it well, all is. And turns out we luck. didn't need to because, oh boy, this week was nothing but news trickling out every single day. So think of this as Britney Bits. This is actually like three or four different stories that I've now combined into one. It's Britney Bits? <laughs> you got extremely excited when you realized you could make that joke. You're like, wait. Wait, I can say it's I, Britney Bits? I didn't even think about doing that either. I should have thought about it. As but, soon as you said it, I'm like, uh, oh my God, you're just saying it right there. Here's the layup. <laughs> Yeah, I'm gonna change. I'm gonna change my little Chiron here. Oh, yes, you gotta change the Chiron now. Come on, <laughs> it's Britney bits. <laughs> but Britney. there you go. There you go. You got what you wanted. Okay, I let's talk it. about the Britney bits. All right, lots of Britney news, including starting off with Bessemer Trust, which is a professional wealth management firm. 
that was poised to take over as co-conservator of Britney Spears' estate and work with her father, has asked to resign from the arrangement, according to a court document filed on Thursday. That's July 1st. And that was cited by the New York Times. The company, which manages more than $100 billion in assets, said it was requesting to withdraw, quote, due to changed circumstances. Note that this is after the news that we tried to talk about on that Wednesday podcast. Mm -hmm. Um, So a couple things about this one. One, obviously they're bailing because they don't want to um, be involved in the drama that's slowly developing around uh, Brittany wanting to exit the conservatorship. Um, so if you re- you watched the uh, the documentary, um, you'll remember that this is actually a plot point in the documentary where they talk about that the idea here was to bring in the best of her trust so that way the financial part of the conservatorship was handled by them and so that way her father would no longer be in charge of her finances. So that will no longer be the case. Right, because they're pulling out of yeah. This whole situation now. Yes. Well, more on that. After recordings of the remote audio from Britney Spears' blistering 24-minute statement during her June 23rd conservatorship hearing began circulating widely over the web, Los Angeles County Courts have decided to end their remote audio attendance program completely. No one's allowed in. Yeah, this one's disappointing because this has wide-ranging effects, not only on this case, but on future cases held in the Los Angeles court system. This was helping news outlets get news immediately about these cases. This was helping people who are just interested in the case in general uh, get news about this, for, about this case as it happened. Now it's going to be much harder for people and journalists to find out until after the fact. And that's a loss. That's a major hit on this kind of reporting. It's gonna make reporting on these things much harder. Well, you could still have reporters in the actual room though. Yeah. This but is it's a not remote as, version right. of it. This is not, so it's not as easily accessible if you can't be there is what I'm saying. It's going to change the dynamic of a lot of this. Right, it's less direct news the moment it hits. It's yeah. after things are said and done. Yeah, it's unfortunate. Yeah. Um, other note here, or other news, is Britney Spears's court-appointed conservator, who told the court on Wednesday that she has been getting death threats ever since Spears spoke out against the conservatorship last month. Uh, Jody Montgomery asked the court to allow Spears's conservatorship estate to pay for the cost of round-the-clock security at Montgomery's home. In the motion, she said she also said that Spears wants her to remain as the conservator of Spears's person, and that Jody Montgomery will not be resigning. Quote: Since Miss Spears has requested that petitioner retain her position as conservator, petitioner has no intention of abandoning her by resigning because of these threats. Uh, Petitioner referring to Jody Montgomery in the statement. 
this is this is a tough one because clearly if you're Jody Montgomery in this situation, it's not a good scene. I mean, people are seeing you as some sort of villain outside of here, even though it seems like it's on the record that Brittany does want her to stick around in this conservatorship as at least a curse, uh, at least a connection that, that, that she has. He doesn't want her to go away, but she's basically looking down the barrel of a harassment campaign as long as she stays. It's tough, and there's no real right answer here. Obviously, you want to do things and you want to keep things in this system that Brittany wants because she's the focal point here. But if it's putting somebody's life in potential danger, that sucks. And it's just bad for everyone involved. Um, so this is this is rough. Mm-hmm. Yeah, anytime you're receiving death threats, you have to take it seriously. Yes. And I mean, she, Britney Spears wants her to retain her position as a conservator on her side. She's to see mm-hmm. some trust in her. Right. But then you have like outside people not knowing the full scope of things. And I guess trying to dox. That's what it seems like. Yeah. yeah, or whatever they can do. Right. Yeah, it's unfortunate. Well, to wrap things up in the Britney bits, uh, Britney Spears' court-appointed attorney, Samuel Ingram III, uh, will <laughs> resign from the pop star's conservatorship case. Uh, Ingram III filed paperwork on Tuesday asking the Los Angeles Superior Court to dismiss him as Spears' legal representative. Quote, Samuel D. Ingram III hereby resigns as court-appointed counsel for Brittany Jean Spears, conservatee, effective upon the appointment of a new court-appointed counsel, uh, said the court filing. So Mm. was she never, she didn't have any counsel of her own? This was just court-appointed? Yeah, it was court appointed. That was, I believe, in the in the documentary as well. Um, because part of the conservatorship is that she didn't have the power to choose her own representation. That well, makes sense, right? She also didn't have the money to pay for her own representation. Yeah. So yeah, I believe that. I believe, though, the the that being said, that I believe that all, on the other side of this um, conversation, the. Uh, the documentary had actually said it, it was kind of a positive thing that this guy was on her side because he had helped, he had shown a track record of being beneficial in these situations. So if that was the case, this might also be a loss for Brittany here uh, because who knows if the next person that is appointed for the case will not, will represent her in the same way. We'll see. Yeah, I mean, to bring in someone new at this point in the trial, Mm-hmm. Amidst all this chaos happening, especially this just this past week. Oh boy. That's not good. It's just getting more and more complicated as more and more public press is happening around it. Um, and yeah, it's just becoming a a a bigger and bigger monster as the days go on. And um in the center of this is poor Britney Spears, and it really sucks that she has to deal with all of this. And um, yeah, it's just getting more and more complicated. Right, and all this started last Wednesday when the judge basically denied her petition request. Right, 
Yeah. Yeah. That was only a week ago. <laughs> we'll <see. sighs> yeah. Yeah. We'll see as this continues. Um and hopefully um hopefully we see some good things come out of this because it's just been negative stuff so far. Yeah, well definitely negative on the side of Britain. Right. All right. Anywho. Um let's try some lighter news, shall we? Yeah, this is just a frivolous kind of uh, chaser after the, all that drama. All right. In lighter side news, I believe this along the video games. Roblox. This is a transition story between you know. music and video games. Yeah, you know, Roblox. Minecraft yeah, like game. Roblox? Eh, Roblox is not really Minecraft, to be fair. Roblox is kind of like, it's easier described as a game maker that's friendly for kids. Like, you make games within Roblox. Not like Minecraft where you're building worlds. It's different. It's like you're making games. Like you're making little mini games for people to play in Roblox. That's what Roblox is. All right. Maybe I'm just old and I feel like people just moved from <laughs> Minecraft to Roblox. <laughs> I mean, there's probably a lot of people who play both, but um, yes. There's some You're not wrong. There's some lap over in that Venn diagram. Yeah, there definitely is overlap. Yeah. But, but anyways, anyway. Roblox signed a deal with Sony Music Entertainment, under which the company planned to feature more Sony artists in the popular massive multiplayer online game. Terms of the agreement weren't disclosed. However, the company said the partnership will, quote, offer a range of new commercial opportunities for Sony music artists to reach new fans and generate new revenue streams around virtual entertainment. Hmm. Isn't that something that was very popular last year? Virtual entertainment concerts? Yeah, we started seeing this in uh, games like Fortnite and Minecraft and... Um, Pokemon. And, well, yeah. Uh, less so in a, an actual game and more so a game company backed it. But yeah. Uh, but yeah, so we're seeing it more and more. And so, yeah, Sony decided, hey, we can team up with Roblox and get some of our artists doing similar things in their platform. It's smart. And it's, like they said, another revenue stream for artists. Um, so it could be interesting going forward to have these, like, e-venues almost where these big artists can also have concerts yep it's an easy way to promote synergy yes that too like a boss <laughs> all right uh yeah. did you listen to anything uh no not, not a big release week um the bigger stuff came out the week prior and we talked about all that uh i didn't see that new lana del rey album no, like I said, I was worried about even talking about it last week because I didn't know if it was going to hit. And sure enough, I don't think it did. Yeah, I didn't see it as a release. Yeah. So. so eventually that will happen. Eventually. Um, I did listen to the new Midland song. I'll talk about more about it when. Oh, yeah. So it turns out the last resort album for that Midland song, not a full album. It's an EP hitting in two weeks. Okay. So short, short album. Um, but. I, uh, Olivia Rodrigo and Sour. If you want to see that album in a full motion uh, short film, let's say it's about less than 30 minutes, in short film form, mm-hmm. she's put out on her YouTube a new video for it called Sour Prom. And it's basically the album in prom format. Mm-hmm. As she rides, takes her car, drives past your house, <laughs> straight to prom, 
Well, not your house. Well, no, no, not your house, but that one boy's house, Drake that, that, that boy's house. Um, where she sees you, I was like, "Oh, good for you, <laughs> traitor!" And we go through all the songs, album, in the album, yeah. and it ends yeah. with uh, in a very big bombastic on the uh, concert, a big bombastic concert on the uh, football field, a local football field, all within a concert setting or in a prom setting. Drink it quite nicely. I'll add that if you're interested at all. A couple of good long takes, a couple of good long sequences um, as the album plays, or as she rather doesn't play, but she sings the album through it. Uh, so if you're very interested in, well, uh, both of you probably are listening to Sour as it's number three, or yeah, number three on the album chart, <laughs> check out uh, Sour Prom on YouTube. Okay. Uh, cool with beans. that, let's roll right in to some video games then, shall we? We shall. All right. And we start video games with new releases. New releases. Including Sniper Elite VR for the PS4 and the PC. Monster Hunter Stories 2 for the Switch. Where the Heart Leads for the PS4 and PS5. And lastly, F1 2021 for the PS4, PS5, Xbox One, Xbox Series X, and PC. For those of you that don't know, F1 is the prequel, 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 prequel to F9. No, No. it's the racing game for Uh, F1 games. Yes, because F9 is a racing film. Uh, Anyway, you know what F1 is. Yeah, it's Formula One. Formula One. AKA F1. AKA press F in the chat. (laughs) Press F to pay respects. Anyways. Anyways, let's get into some video game news, shall we? And oh, I heard about this and I'm super excited, but also I might be out of touch for this. Yeah, (laughs) a little scared, a little scary. A little scary, a little excited, a little bit uh, worrisome because. It's Ubisoft. (laughs) And I have no idea what to expect from this. As Ubisoft has corroborated a report from Bloomberg that that the Assassin's Creed series is about to make a full-blown shift into a live service game. But it also sounds like that game is at least a few years out regardless of the report. Uh, Bloomberg had posted to to the company. Wait, sorry, Ubisoft um, on a blog post to the company's official site says that the game is codenamed Assassin's Creed Infinity <laughs> and is being developed as part of a collaboration between Ubisoft Montreal and Ubisoft Quebec. Bloomberg reports that the game will feature multiple settings rather than be focused in one specific place and time in the series chronology. The current plan is for the game to act as a basis for expansion over the months and years that follow its release, serving as more of a platform 
than any game prior. Mm-hmm. Think MMORPG. Yeah. Think uh, Final Fantasy 15. Yeah, uh, note that uh, nowhere 14, in this... 14 online. Final Fantasy 14 online. Yeah. Note that nowhere in this does it say anything about being a multiplayer game. No, it seems like it will still remain a single-player experience, just one that they're constantly updating and treating as a live game um, going forward. So it's an interesting idea. It's an interesting idea to basically have Assassin's Creed as a platform instead of iterating it with a new $60 product every year. Um, of course. So do we see something in the vein of like Destiny? So Destiny does come to mind. But, yeah, but the problem with that though is again, Destiny is technically also a cooperative game um, with co- some co-op, some competitive modes. So the kind of missing piece here is if they do some sort of multiplayer component. Um, if they don't, and if this is just a single player experience, then it'll be really hard to sell things like com- um, like um, cosmetic improvements because who are you showing your cosmetics to? Mm-hmm. <laughs> So it, it's going to be really interesting to see more details about this. I mean, they have experienced co-op and multiplayer in the past with Assassin's right. Creed Unity, yeah. which nobody wants to bring up because Assassin's Creed Unity. I mean, to be fair, the multiplayer modes in those um, handful of Assassin's Creed games, I feel like they, are, they do have their fans. I feel like there is probably a, a portion of the audience that wants those multiplayer modes to come back in some fashion. All right, so here's my pitch for it. <laughs> it's either going to be set up in uh, <laughs> I think of a good uh-huh. time period where it would set up. That's not like sh- World War One shooter. <laughs> but rather like not something they've done already. Right, nothing that they've done already. Like, because <laughs> in between that time, that's why they kind of went backwards to Egypt and Greece to kind of move forward from there. Yeah. So I'm saying early 500, early 1000 BC, uh, AD, set before the first Assassin's Creed. And you are playing as the Assassins who, over the course of the game, form the aforementioned Assassin's Creed uh, fighting against the Knights Templar. Or (laughs) you take it in a more modern sense of whatever present day is in the Assassin's Creed universe, because I know it's not like this year, it's like... Mm -hmm. 15 years in the future or whatever. Whatever present day Assassin's Creed is, you have a... I'll just call it a station of a base. Not necessarily in space, but a station of a base where you can interact with people as a hub world outside of Assassin's Creed, of an Assassin setting, but you're able to play missions within the Animus as an assassin in whatever specific like mission 
mission setting. Okay. All right. So that way you can interact in a non-assassin way outside with other players, but go on missions within Animus-style Assassin's Creed settings. I can see that. I can see that as the angle. That way you're not beholden to one specific era mm-hmm. or one specific world or setting, but rather can jump around to, yeah. oh, this new memory has unlocked. Oh, I'm blown. You're all clones of Desmond, the first Assassin's <laughs> the first Assassin's Creed protagonist. You're all clones of him, which is why you all have the same memories. This is all the same DNA, uh-huh. so you can all access the same places. But that's why your characters can look different because you're just clones of them. You're all the same person, just different cosmetic clones. Well, um. I'm happy to report here on the Media Boat podcast that apparently uh, Mike has just become CEO of Ubisoft, and uh, I'm not really sure how that happened. Uh, so all this is going to happen, and it's going to come true, and this is going to be what is, uh, Assassin's Creed Infinity is. Yes, Who knows? this check in the mail right here <laughs> is that's a weird shape Ubisoft for a on it. Yeah, that's a weird shape for a check, though. Are you sure uh, Ubisoft gave you a, an American check or a French check? I mean, It's a French-Canadian check. Yeah, you might want to get that checked out. <laughs> ah um uh, yeah who knows what this really is we'll find out um i'm sure as the years go on but yeah i don't expect this anytime soon okay but if i'm right we're coming back oh, yeah. here to this podcast and we're blasting it all mm-hmm. over yeah yeah and then they'll need to actually send you a check for mm-hmm. residuals there saying hey you, you, right. you got this from me in 2021 when it comes out in 2024 <laughs> and we're still yeah. doing this and come up on our uh 600 yeah. episode yeah, then pay up. Anyway. All right. Anyways. Our second story, also a gamer favorite, uh, if you played it. Ghost <laughs> of Tsushima. Gamer favorite. Well, it did win some Game of the Year awards when it didn't lose <laughs> yes. out to The Last of Us Part Two or Haiti. Right. <laughs> so your third favorite Game of the Year, then. Uh, last year's Ghost of Tsushima, you know, a surprise hit for many. The open world samurai game told the story of Jin Sakai, a samurai struggling with tradition holding him back in his war against an invading Mongol force. Well, a multiplayer expansion further fanned the flames of excitement for the game, as did a PS5 patch that doubled the game's frame rate. It seems like developer Sucker Punch isn't done yet, though as Sony has announced a Ghost of Tsushima colon director's cut for both the PS4 and PS5 with a brand new chapter in tow. The new chapter takes place on Ilk or on Iki Island, which is also <laughs> fighting off a Mongol invasion at the same time as Tsushima. The PlayStation blog post for the game states that the new expansion contains, quote, tons of new content, including brand new environments to explore, new armor for Jin, as well as his horse, new mini games, new techniques, new enemy types, and much more. So if you thought you were done with Ghost of Tsushima, prepare to pay 60 more dollars for Director's Cut. <laughs> also, if you have a PS5, this will probably be a fully 
PS5 version of the original game, which I'm sure a lot of people will be interested in, mm-hmm. with more content. So can't really uh, can't really argue with that. Um, yeah, I didn't play this. It seemed like a lot of people liked this. It was Assassin's Creed esque in the way that it was a big open world with cool dynamic combat. Um, so yeah, uh, this is a cool way for people to either re-experience it or experience it for the first time on their uh, PlayStation Five. So pretty cool. Yep, uh, actually, game I wouldn't mind owning on when I eventually get a PS Five. Yeah, yeah, I'm not actually surprised you didn't check this out the first round when it came no. out. I mean, because I <laughs> you don't I, even I know don't why excuses for not playing. <laughs> yeah. But there's just many excuses for not playing it. Sure, makes sense. Yeah. Well, you get a second chance. Yep. Uh, The true Director's Cut version, because if you're not playing Director's Cut, are you even playing the right game? Yes. (laughs) Are you even playing the true game? Yeah. Anyway. Anyways, uh, video game thoughts. Yeah, I played a game. You played a game. I played a game. I played a brand, well, relatively new game. I believe it came out about a month ago. Well, as I'm sure a lot of people listening to this will know, if you play video games on the PC, that the annual summer Steam Games sale uh, was up on Steam about a week and a half ago. I took advantage of this by buying Power Wash Simulator. Have you heard of this? No, but Power Washing is like porn to some people. It is. Well, what if there was a game that lets you power wash things? <laughs> and that was the entire game. So, power like, could wash you, like, simulator... power wash my tears away? No, it's not like no. that. So, yeah, power wash simulator is what it sounds like. Um, it is currently in early access. It is not done necessarily but right now it's about 20 bucks uh for the early access uh version of the game it's not very long there's only a handful of um missions of things to clean um but yeah it's what you think it is you are armed with a power washer the power washer has multiple different kinds of nozzles that dictate how steady the stream is and uh, so you start out with basically a laser point and then you can widen it by uh, changing up the nozzles the wider the spray is the more coverage but the weaker the spray so you kind of have to approach different things that you're cleaning with different nozzles say there's really hard kicked on dirt on the bottom of your outdoor pool in your backyard well the wide nozzle is not going to do much to that it's just going to make the mud wet you need to use the like the super pinpoint one and just kind of go up and down, up and down. So this game's gonna, I think, itch a lot of people's uh, or scratch a lot of people's itch who like um, games where you're either coloring in or clearing out things, kind of in a mindless, repetitive way. Like for example, if you were like me and you thought the best part of Super Mario Sunshine on the GameCube was spraying down all of the goop that was on the levels and making sure everything pristine, this is for you. Also, if you like power cleaning or power washing things in real life and it gives you like this weird, like satisfying feeling, hey, this is that in video game form. And lastly, if you like the simulator kind of genre on PC, whether it be like the house flipper, a game that I've talked about here um, before, or um, 
or PC builder, which is PC building simulator, which is also like literally a simulator game where you're building a computer. Very meta when you think about it. Um, this is like that. This is very much like, but if you're expecting a whole lot more, you're going to be like, oh, wait, that's it? Because literally this is just power washing. Um, it seems like because it's an early access, they may add more levels. They might add more mechanics. It seems like the menu hints that there may be a soap, like different kinds of soap added to the game at some point. Right now, it's just water. Um, so it may be a situation where, oh, I have to clean this thing with wood. I need to change it to the, the soap that's appropriate for cleaning wood or something like that. So this is a foundation on which that they can build a more complicated game mechanically. But as it stands right now, it is extremely simple and to the point. If I had one complaint about it, the cleaning is sometimes expects too much of you. Um, you can bring up a like click a button. I think it's the tab button on your keyboard to see what remaining dirt you have left to complete the level. But even that sometimes is hard to see because it can be obscured by other things in the world. So you may be whacking your head on one last thing to earn, like you might be sitting at 99%, a percentage point away from the 100% to finish the level. And you'll have no idea where the last piece of uh, dirt is on, say, the, the bottom of your pool in your backyard. And you'll just be like spraying over and over again, up and down to try to get that last bit. And you just can't reach it. So that can happen. But generally speaking, there's not a whole lot of situations like that. And if you're diligent on your cleaning, you should do a pretty good job in each level. But that's literally all this is. So if that's not enough video game for you, there's other simulator games that might be more up your alley. But for somebody like me who just likes a very calming, very stress relieving, just very like you have one thing to do and that's the only thing to do with no time limit, you'll like this. It's a really good podcast game too. <laughs> So, yeah, that's on Steam if you want to check out Power Wash Simulator Early Access. Uh, check it out. Sounds like a lot of cleaning fun. Yeah, cleaning fun. Uh, well, if you like video games, we probably should have let off with this. Oh, yeah. And if you like games being done quickly and <laughs> your favorite game being broken into absurdity, like, you know how you started like 40 hours into a game and then you watch someone come along and they can beat it in like an hour yeah well prepare your tears and your wallets for summer games done quick yes we're in the middle of summer games done quick we've talked about it before on this podcast um speed running done for a good cause in this case it's doctors without borders again for the summer summer season uh, it's being done remote just like last year, so they do not have an in-person audience and in-person uh, streamers. Instead, the streamers are all doing it from home. So, uh, yeah, uh, some really good streams. I tuned in for um, a run of Dishonored yesterday that was only 40 minutes long, <laughs> which was really impressive. Um, there was even a Horizon Zero Dawn run yesterday that I didn't catch, but... Uh, Sure, it was just as wacky. I yeah. watched that, and they speed ran just past everything, and then went through it. <laughs> I also watched a Ratchet and Clank into the Nexus, which they just started off by clipping through the walls, and we're like, okay, <laughs> now we're at the end. We're like, yeah, okay, that was it. <laughs> that was what it. You need to do. Um, yeah, it's fun if you are fascinated with how video games are made and broken. 
then hey, watch some speedrunners break some games. It's a whole, it's a fun time, and it's for a good cause. Yeah, Dodgers Without Borders. Uh, currently, they're at uh, approaching seven hundred thousand okay. uh, dollars, but typically they will reach about one to two million dollar range by yeah. the week's end. So always so, go for a good cause. Doctors Without Borders. They always have different incentives and different things you can bid on and put your money towards. Yep. So check so, them yeah, out. If you That's want games to... done quick. Summer. Yep. Summer edition. Summer games done quick. They also do it at yep. the beginning of the year for awesome games done quick, which is yep. benefit uh, cancer. So if you want to check that out, just go to twitch.tv and go to the games done quick channel. Yep. It uh, should be one of the top ones because yeah, at sure. all times they'll have at least 50,000 people watching. <laughs> right. It's pretty popular stream. Yep. So there you go. All righty. Is that it for video games? Uh, that'll do it for me here. And I'll do it for you. And that will do it for us. So let's Guess plug so. away. All right. Thank you for listening to this week's edition of the Media Boat Podcast. Listening and watching, uh, if that was something that you did. Thank you for watching or listening. We'll be back next week with another episode. We might have some Black Widow thoughts for you. We might have some more television. We might play some more games. I don't know. It's a grab bag of things that you could back, come back and ex- expect next week. So uh, look forward to it. You can catch the video version of the podcast on YouTube. Just go to youtube.com and search Media Boat Podcast. Find our channel and you can like, subscribe, or click the bell for notifications. You can listen to the audio version of our podcast on podcast services like Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Amazon, iHeartRadio, Spotify, anywhere you listen to a podcast, you can find us just by searching Media Boat Podcast. You can find us on social media channels. On Twitter, our handle is at Media Boat Cast. Facebook, search Media Boat Podcast, and you can find our page there. Like, comment there as well. You can also see us in print forum and MediaBoatPodcast.com. Um we just upped that for a whole nother year. So we got more content for you coming soon. Uh, you can also see us, or you can also ask us questions. If you want to email us at mediaboatpodcast at gmail.com, ask us a question, comment, anything about the show, and you may hear your comment or question read on the show. So we still have yet to do after 287 episodes. No one has wrote in, so please write in. We'll get there. Ask us questions. (laughs) We'll get there. Uh, So thank you for joining us. We'll be back next week with more, so stay tuned. In the meantime, enjoy your week and have fun uh, watching Stay safe. Stay safe in July and back with more thoughts and news and exciting stuff next week. Indeed. Okay, bye. Bye. (laughs) 